Sorry about that, but for your sake out there and for your sake, I like to have the clock on so I know how long I go. So, All right. For us today, for you are. And so what I want us to do is, is look at these texts and, and look what it says. Because there's two other words that I want to have us know today, and that's why those three words are important. For you are. Okay, for you are. So the you is those who are God's people. You. Okay, you. For you are, the statement of of identity. This is what you are, not just what you do or anything else, but it's a statement of identity. For you are this. And the for is going to tie us into the greater texts. Okay, so what I want you to think of first is for we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's so important. Because we live in an individualistic society. So I probably could remind you of that every single week and it'd be good for you. Be good for me. Because we get so caught up in our world that we need to be reminded of something that's far bigger than us. I one time had a man in a different church where I was pastoring there and he came from a different faith background. And he said, you know what? I really love the Apostles' Creed. Because it reminds me that my faith isn't just here and now, but people have been confessing this truth for thousands of years, okay, and all sorts of places. So it helps me to see the vastness of the faith. That's why when we confess the Apostles' Creed, it's so beautiful because it's a simple way of telling people what God's Word says, that we do that with part of a bigger community than just ourselves or even our little community here. So who are you? Well, you're part of something much bigger than yourself. That's first. Okay? Why this is important is because it's going to do two things. That little phrase, for you are, that starts our Old Testament lesson for today, is going to describe or it's going to explain something and inspire something. Explain and inspire. Would you say those two words with me? Make sure you got it. Explain and inspire. Good. We've got it. All right. Now, let's go into the text. Now, I'm, not, I'm just going to read a few things from the text to you. You won't be able to see it, but you've heard them already. You read them with me, okay? For you are a people holy to the Lord. That means you're set apart. I've given you this example over and over again. Remember the Halloween candy when I get those little Hershey miniatures? The, the special dark are mine. Kids can have any of the milk chocolate stuff they want. I don't really care. But the special dark are mine, okay? Dark chocolate is mine. And so they are... The special dark little candy bars are holy to me. They're set apart for my purposes, okay? Or my stomach, however you want to think about it, okay? So that's what we are. We are special, set apart for God and his purposes. But it goes on from there. It says that you are chosen. For anybody who may not be overly athletic and had to endure middle school and high school and you were never chosen or you were always the last to be chosen... This is a big deal. God has chosen you. Okay. Then also look at what else it says. It says you are holy, you are chosen, and you are his treasured possession. You know, this would be really great if we went through just this part. If you would do that every single day, just to remind you, remind yourself that you are holy, set apart for him, chosen, and you're his treasured possession. Now, I know you'd all like me to stop right at this point, but I'm going to keep going. But it would be okay if I stopped right here. What if you would just take that home with you and live into that truth? 
When I do those daily prayer times, psalm prayers, the last letter of P-R-A-Y is Y, yield, or submit, live under God and His kingdom. And so what is so important for us is to submit to that truth that He rules over all and has declared you to be His treasured possession. If you lived into that truth, would that impact how you lived moment by moment, day by day? I think it would. And if you already do that, fantastic. Talk to other people around you because a lot of people struggle with that. But then it says, it goes on to explain why he loves. And if we were to have you look at, let's see, verse 8, that's the one. He says in verse 7 that I didn't choose you, I don't treasure you, I don't do all those different things because you're more numerous or you're powerful like the Egyptians were. I do this because I, the Lord, love you. And I've shared this with you before as well. There's a right answer. If someone comes to a husband and says, why do you love your wife? There's a right answer. It's not because she's beautiful. It's not because she's talented. It's not because she cooks and does all these things for you. You simply say, I love her because I love her. I choose to. Therefore, if she's no longer as beautiful, if she can't do the things she used to be able to do, if anything changes within her, it doesn't matter because you're making the choice to do it. God has made the choice based on nothing within us. Remember when God chose Abraham or Abram? He chose him an idolater and made him his own, which is just phenomenal. So you can't go around, I mean, you can, but it would be inappropriate to go around saying, I wonder why God chose me and didn't choose somebody else. Do you know what the answer is? I don't know. That's the answer. It's over our pay grade. We don't know why God would choose me and not somebody else because it's not within us. It's within him. And he chooses us through Christ. That's why we keep sharing the message. Okay, those are things from that Old Testament lesson. Then you go to the epistle lesson and it talks about us being those who are predestined those who are called, those who are justified, those who are glorified, those who are God's elect. We are those that there is no more condemnation for us. No one can accuse us. We are also those who are more than conquerors. We are also those who are loved and nothing can separate us from that love. Those are awesome things that we are called, justified, predestined, those without, those who are not condemned, And those who are more than conquerors, and that's one thing I want to focus on today, more than conquerors, you are that. Then, if you go with me to the gospel lesson, it talks about this treasure hidden in the field and this pearl of great price. And as you see on the screen, there's a little thing of a treasure. And what I want you to to be aware of is that we can look at this passage from Matthew 13 and say, as has been said for, for all through history, okay, that this is talking about the kingdom of heaven is so priceless. It's worth everything. You just give everything away. But a professor at the seminary said it this way. How many of you have given up everything to get the kingdom? That's not really how it works. God just gives it to you because he freely gives, Right? Now, we would turn, we would renounce things to follow him, but he gives us the kingdom out of his free grace. Wouldn't it be more appropriate to say that Jesus is the one who sells everything, including his very life, to buy us and to make us 
his own. Therefore, who's the treasure? You and I are. We're that treasure. So who are we? Well, in the Old Testament lesson in Deuteronomy and in the lesson in Matthew 13, who is the treasure? Or what are we? We are God's treasure. Repeat after me. I, I am God's treasure. treasure. You did it really well. Now, the next thing that's going to be a real challenge is for you to believe that and to live into that truth that you are that, regardless of what anybody else around you says, that's true. And you know, when you think about that truth and that you're also more than a conqueror, you know what that does? That inspires. If I just tell you, Kurt, get busy, try harder, and do better. You know those struggles you have every day? Stop them. Just stop. Hurry up. Don't do that. Why are you doing that? Is that helpful? No. Have you ever had someone treat you like that? Have you ever treated yourself like that? Would it matter if instead I went, Kurt, you're God's beloved treasure. Did you know that? It's beautiful, beautiful, isn't it? And you're more than a conqueror. And whatever it is you're dealing with on a daily basis is nothing compared to the God Almighty who says, this is who you are. I wonder if that would impact how you lived, how he lives. I can tell you from experience, years ago, I would wake up and say, get busy, and I would say bad things about myself. Didn't do much that day. I get up now reminding myself who I am in Christ. Much better. Just how we tell ourselves what God says is true changes us. There's one of our members sitting in the church today who said to me last week, you know, we do what we know. And what my hope is, is that we get to know what God's word is more and more so that we do that, submitting to that truth, right? Okay, so those are the URs. Now what we need to do is we need to kind of look at what's going on here. So Deuteronomy chapter 7, just read this chapter on your own. It's only a few verses, it's not that long, okay? I'll read it for you now because I want us to, to catch what's happening here. Again, Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. Deuteronomy is the people have gone out of Egypt through the Red Sea. God has brought them out. He has met them at Mount Sinai, given them the commandments, said, now go in. And so they've, they've gone, and they were right there at Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea, ready to go into the promised land. They sent the scouts. They came back and said, it's a glorious land, but we can't enter it. It's a glorious life that God gives me, but I can't live it because I'm not God's treasured possession. But I can't live it because I'm not more than a conqueror. But I can't live it because I am, as we talked about last week, self-obsessed rather than Jesus-obsessed. Right? Isn't that what got in the way of of the people of God? They got to the land, they saw... There's giants in there. We can't beat them. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And in our eyes, too. There's nothing I can do. Do we ever get so preoccupied with ourselves that we lose sight of the God who's actually in control? Hmm. 
So all those 20 and older of the fighting men, they all died. They said, we can't enter into here. Look what's going to happen to our kids. It's going to be awful. Well, the kids are the ones that get to go now. Because all those 20 and older, all the fighting men, they all died in the wilderness. Just a real quick thing. God calls the people his treasured possession, his chosen holy ones. They were kids of those who had failed to obey, and they all died in the desert. Do you know what? Their parents' failure didn't define the kids. Isn't that good news? The parents' failure did not define the kids. God did. God defines who you are because he's your perfect Savior, Father. Okay, then it goes on in chapter 7. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down the Asherah poles and burn their idols in the fire. For you are... God had some work for them to do. If you read it closely or listened to it closely, God was going to be the one who drives them out. And if you read this chapter, you're going to see that he's not going to drive them all out right away. Just read this chapter and the next couple chapters. It's just awesome. God's not going to drive them out right away because then they just wouldn't be able to handle it. So it's little bit by little bit. Just go in there. I'll be the one who drives them out. But I want you not to intermarry because I, the Lord your God, am a... Jealous God. No other God's first commandment. No other God's including me and you. No other God's. But that's our biggest struggle, isn't it? Because we struggle. And if you are not struggling with yourself, you're either not very self-aware or you're living in denial. Because we all struggle all the time. Okay? Either that or we have no idea what God's word says. That might be true too. Okay? I'm doing great. I haven't read God's word ever. And I don't ever listen. But you're here, so I know that's not true. At least I hope. There's work for them to do. They are to destroy these other nations. And it says... If you go just a couple chapters later, look at verse nine, chapter 9, verses 4 through 6. After the Lord your God has driven out, okay, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you're going in to take possession of the land, but on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand then that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess. For you are 
a stiff-necked people. Sometimes when you and I hear that we're God's treasure, we're like, I'm pretty great, aren't I? Look at me. I'm great. I'm wonderful. God says, no, I'm great. I'm wonderful. Look what I've done for you. Or if you're Deuteronomy, look what I will do for you. Because at the same time that we're God's treasured possession, we're also a stiff-necked people, and we continue to battle. Right? And so God has to say, go into the land, I'll move you in. While you're there, work with me, do what I need you to do, take care of these things, don't intermarry, don't get confused that way. Why, not? Why will you do that? For you are my chosen people. It explains this for you are. Why does God say this is who you are? Because God's got work for them to do. You know what? That work wasn't just Old Testament work. God's got work for you to do. You mean I can't just sit, put my feet up, eat bonbons all day and just kind of relax? No. We are to be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are to be God's witnesses so that he can change weeds into wheat last week. So that God can always be at work within us for you are God's people to make a difference in the world. And when you're done making a difference in the world, as it says in Luke, we simply stand before our God and say, I've just done my duty. I don't deserve to be praised. May I never boast except in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. Oh. (laughs) Marilyn was helping me out and I wasn't receiving it. This is what happens when I get too excited. All right. Thank you, Marilyn. We'll do it this way. Y'all can hear me okay? Yeah. Fantastic. Has it been off for long? Well, I, I just noticed it a minute ago. A minute ago? Sorry, everybody out there. We're better now. Okay, so, so we are God's people for his purposes. We're inspired by being his people for his purposes, right? And as such, we come before our God joyful, okay, because we're more than conquerors. Last thing, they were to be more than conquerors just driving out those people who were destroying. They were to go in and live as his people, which they failed to do, turned to other gods and walked away, and they went into exile. For us, if you look at that epistle lesson, I want to finish on this. It says that we are more than conquerors. Well, what are we more than conquerors are because of? Well, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Or injustice or virus pandemic? Or the loss of a friend or the difficulty in our family relationships? What's going to separate us from from Christ? And the answer is? Nothing, 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 nothing. And therefore, can we be inspired by the God who will never go away from us? 
Yes. And can we live as people with great hope, with an awesome witness to share? Yes. Because of who God says we are, we are inspired. And it explains that we actually have more to this life. See, we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. Last thing. Have you ever noticed, because this might just be me, but I don't think it is, that when people are down, oftentimes those people who are down are focused on who? Themselves. So here's a couple of questions I want you to wake up with when you get up in the morning, okay? Who is God? What has he done for me? Which you could say, for you are. What has he done for me? Where's my neighbor? What do they need? Who is God? He's the one who made everything and who has redeemed me. What has he done for me? Made me his treasured possession and more than a conqueror. Nothing can separate me from his love. Where's my neighbor? Open my eyes. And what does he need? If you spent your day doing that, if I spent my day doing that, Would I be depressed and sad? It's much harder. If you have a certain medical condition, yeah, you could be. But it's much harder because a lot of the depression that we feel in our country comes because we don't think we have much of a purpose and because everything isn't going our way. And when I look at social media, I think it's supposed to. Anybody here ever post on social media? When's the last time you posted, had a god-awful day today, everything stunk. From morning till evening, things were horrible, okay? I don't ever see that on social media. Maybe I'm just not looking at the right place, okay? I see ranting and raving about certain things. I see I just, here's my dessert. I see all sorts of crazy stuff, but I don't see real life. And so if my life doesn't look as good as everybody else's, I'm thinking, I must be missing out. When that's not true at all. Who are you? Let's just do the two and then I'll close. I am, I am, say after me, I am God's treasure. I am more than a conqueror. Amen.